we'd organized through a company called Workaway to uh, spend some time with an, a retired couple. Yeah, it was a very it was a very good deal. Four nights, five day trip out into the Amazon jungle. If you get the opportunity, absolutely go and do it. It was really spectacular. Where some trips where you're you're going to see animals, pretty well caveat animals not guaranteed. The Amazon is not one of those, you know, fairly good chance of animals guaranteed. So you also did your volunteering, how was that? It was an experience. More physical and demanding work, um, more structured, but it was very rigid. Which... Uh, was our first disaster, wasn't it? That, yeah, the first of many. Hi, I'm Emma and this is episode 11 of Trip Report. I interview recent travellers about their amazing trips, covering all the pros and cons and the tips and tricks so that you can travel safely and armed with all the insider knowledge, or perhaps you just want to travel vicariously. You're all welcome. Thanks for joining us. At the moment, I'm covering trips within the last year rather than immediately recent trips due to the COVID pandemic. This week, I chat with Josh and Annie as we start their epic around the world honeymoon taking in Canada, the USA, South America, Australia, New Zealand, Thailand, and Cambodia. Starting in June 2019, they gave me so many tips and detailed knowledge that I have had to split their trip into a few episodes. So if you aren't subscribed, you should hit that button so that you don't miss the other episodes for their trip. You'll also want to head over to the Trip Report podcast Instagram so that you can see their photos and extra snippets in my stories. In fact, while you're listening, take a screen grab and share it in your stories, tagging Trip Report Podcast, and then I can give you a shout out too. In this episode, we go through their North America and part of their South America section of their trip. What did they find from volunteering while traveling? What tips do they have for others thinking of doing this? And unfortunately, what disasters were waiting ahead of them once they had finished their volunteering? So welcome to the podcast, Josh and Annie. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So you went on an amazing around-the-world honeymoon starting in May of last year. Can you start with telling us what led you to take on this epic trip? Have you had it planned for a long time? It's something we talked about from, I guess, the, the, when we got engaged. Um, it kind of came from the fact that we, our jobs don't really allow us to have much time off together. And um, having a career intermission or sabbatical for each of us was an option. So we kind of seized the opportunity to get this extended amount of time off together and get get some uh, get some countries in all in one go. Fantastic. And did you do lots of planning before you went? So I expected there to be a lot of planning. Um, certainly we tried to do the broad brushes quite early on. But actually, we only probably planned the first three or four weeks of the trip in any sort of detail. And that was primarily because we, we knew we were going to have a few weeks work uh, in the first country arriving and in Canada. And then the rest, we pretty much played by ear. It was kind of a like we had a big map printed and almost just threw darts at it, like planned out the countries that we each wanted to go to and then kind of matched together the ones that we both wanted to go to and roughly planned a route but yes kept it kept it pretty open we didn't even know which way around the world we were going until fairly late in the day uh, where we changed our plan entirely so rather than starting in africa and going that way around we decided to go in the opposite direction uh, and and did kind of started our planning all over again so um yeah it was fairly ad hoc but we had some good ideas where we wanted to go on the way so you had your sort of list of countries that you wanted to go to and you just sort of planned the first bit Rough, roughly, and we were mostly kind of dragged in by cheap flight prices, and that's what put us off going in our original ideal, like idea direction. I see. So, did you just have that first flight booked then to Canada? Yeah, and the, and the rest you did on on route, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly that. Every time we stopped was kind of another opportunity to plan the next leg of the trip. Uh, so we try and do a country at a time, really. We never planned to be in a country for more than a month, although sometimes it didn't work out like that. Um, so we could usually plan fairly well three or four weeks uh, ahead, you know, from crossing a border to crossing the next border. We had a pretty good idea what was going to happen. And then after that, uh, we, we'd plan it on the road. So you started off in Calgary, is that right? Yep. So that's where we flew into first, a flight from, uh, from London to, to Calgary. That was our first stop on the trip. 
And then how long did you spend in Calgary? So we were in the city itself for two weeks. Uh, we were really lucky to catch the Calgary Stampede whilst we were there and Canada Day. And we used Calgary as a base uh, for visiting sort of other local areas like uh, Drumheller. Uh, and then south to uh, head smashed in Buffalo Jump and, and other places like that. And then heading into the Rockies to Banff and Lake Louise. So, that, yeah, that was our, our home for the first couple of weeks when we arrived. Great. And tell me about the Stampede. What was that? So the Stampede calls itself the greatest outdoor show on earth. And it's like a very, very large agricultural fair, but nothing uh, the likes of which you would have seen in the UK. The Jewel in the crown, as it were, is the uh, the rodeo that takes place each day and then racing at, at the end of the night, so horse racing at the end of the night. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's pretty spectacular. It sprawls over a very large area. There's, you know, carnivals involved. Uh, it's, it's the biggest and best kind of outdoor animal show you might have seen. Um, and we were very lucky that the weather was was with us as well there. So, yeah, that's the gist of it. Once a year, it's Calgary's a pretty cowboy town for Canada. And then you see everybody coming out in their Stetson hats and boots uh, and getting into the rodeo spirit. It's it's like if an agricultural, a big agricultural show in England had oil money. <laughs> it's just and like the hats and the boots it is exactly what you would expect out of like a caricature. Like it's just yeah, it is what it it is what you'd is everything that you would expect. Like really tall hats, polished boots with spurs, and yeah. Everyone drives a pickup. And, Everybody uh... drives it. Like, you are judged by the size of your truck. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Did you have a truck as well to fit in or not? <laughs> we had a little, like, tiny little hire car. We? we were the smallest car on the road. Like, if we got hit by anything, that's it. We were going to be dead. <laughs> like... What well, good job you didn't then, by the sounds of it. <laughs> not that time, not no. in Canada. No. Driving in Canada is not too bad. There's lots of straight roads um, and it's not that busy out on the prairies. So, yeah, we didn't have too much of a problem uh, learning the ropes, driving on the other side of the road when we got there. And you mentioned a couple of the other places that you went to when you were in Calgary. You mentioned Drumheller. What, was, why, mm-hmm. what took you there? The Hoodoos, which is um, a sandstone rock formation where just giant giant pillars of more solid rock remain where the sandstone has been um like been eroded by the wind um it, look, it looks like something straight out of the flintstones there's also uh the largest indoor dinosaur museum uh so um kind of north of that part of uh, canada there were some really extensive dinosaur digs uh so they've got a really large uh, exhibition uh, of the stuff that they've found around there um so that was also up there when when we visited uh, the, the tyrell museum i think it's called okay that sounds really cool um and then when you mentioned some other sort of day trips that you did from calgary what were they yeah, so we spent a day uh, going south to Fort McLeod. Um, there's a, an old frontier fort set up there where volunteers do um, demonstrations of their horse skills as if they were frontiersmen uh, in the early days of uh, Canadian kind of uh, discovery. Um, and then slightly west of there is a, a place called Head Smashed in Buffalo Jump, um, fairly unimaginatively named uh <laughs> considering it was exactly that um it was a uh cliff uh, which the uh, native canadians used to drive the buffaloes off uh in order to kill them uh, and then use them for almost all the resources that they required food uh clothes tentage um no part of them were were spared so yeah that's that's been uh kept as a memorial and there's a, a museum that's built into the cliff there that kind of explains the whole process it's a unesco world heritage site but we also did the the basic tourist things so we went to banff did the gondola went to lake louise and i did the tea house hike um, while josh went kayaking or whitewater rafting because that's not my thing and the usual stuff in calgary as well so up the calgary tower yes. um <laughs> 
which uh, was our first disaster, wasn't it? That yeah, oh. the first of many. <laughs> oh no! Um, so we got to the top, um, and then we were very lucky that we we would just missed the lift heading down in front of us uh, just wasn't quite enough space for us uh, and the lift broke halfway down um, so those people got stuck on that lift and the rest of us waited at the top for about 20 minutes half an hour uh, and then was offered the opportunity to walk back down the tower uh, which is over 350 stairs down <laughs> uh, so by the bottom a little bit jelly legs but we felt like we got our money's worth because it's quite an expensive tower um so we got to see bits that you might not see on an average day and they did give us two bottles of water each didn't they yeah it was very kind of them it was a hell of a workout coming down those stairs (laughs) okay brilliant and then you went on from calgary to do some volunteering yeah so that was our our first long stop so if you're heading west on the main highway between Calgary and Vancouver through the Rockies, uh, eventually, about halfway, you'll come to a big town called Salmon Arm. It's right on the edge of the Shuswap Lake, uh, which is a huge body of water, which has four arms. Um, it's on the kind of southerly arm of that. We'd organised through a company called Workaway to uh, spend some time with an a retired couple who owned uh, about 10 acres of land and a nice house up in the mountains uh, where they looked after a small holding which had you know a horse and a bit of land where they were doing some uh, some of their own uh, plants uh, you know had their dog there and things like that and they just needed a little bit of help around the the place to chop wood and cut the grass and the usual kind of maintenance jobs so we we got in touch with them through this uh, this website and they asked if we could stay four weeks. Uh, we were happy to stay that long uh, and it turned out to be a fantastic start to the trip. They were a, a wonderful couple uh, and we had a great time there. That sounds really good. And so how was it? Live? Did you live in their house? We did. Um, it was a very large, again, typical Canadian log house. Um, and we had a, a bedroom at the far end of the house and they were at the lower end. So we were separate. We had our own bathroom and they prepared us meals. They provide like they offered us their vehicles and bikes. Yeah, it was a very it was a very good deal. We were we were fed and watered as long as we kept cutting the grass and feeding the dog. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like a good deal. And were you were you the only ones there or did they have other volunteers? So we were the only ones there, but they had had a German volunteer uh, like a few weeks before we arrived. He, he had turned back. Um, they'd also had volunteers the year before, but the uh, fires in the local area had been so significant that actually their, their guest went home a little early because the air quality was so poor. We were very lucky when we got there that uh, it had been a particularly rainy summer relatively cool in comparison to most years so there was no significant forest fires near us and uh, we had lovely clear blue skies most of the time we were there brilliant and so you spent four weeks there and then where did you go we then went to vancouver um and vancouver island um we were there for vancouver island we just did in a day trip and vancouver we were there for three or four days before we caught the bus over into the u.s and what did you do anything interesting in Vancouver? I think so. I visited Vancouver before. I, I I went there before I went to university. I worked in Lake Louise on a ski hill, and I remembered Vancouver very fondly. Although it was the winter when I visited, so I was really looking forward to going back. And it's every bit as good a city as I remember. Um, I thoroughly recommend it. It's a beautiful place. It's right on the waterfront. It's got fantastic beaches, uh, a huge park, really well designed in a city. Uh, but then also you can see the mountains in the distance and it's only a short ride up the coast to places like Whistler. Uh, and you're right up in the mountains where you can do stuff in the summer and the winter. Uh, we did a, a gondola ride uh, slightly north of the city. And there's some some pretty predominant sites where you can go walking out in the countryside and some waterfalls. And we were really lucky when we were on Vancouver Island to see killer whales. We held back on paying for a whale watching trip because they were incredibly expensive. It just so happened that as we were walking through the park on the way back to the car to leave, a small family of whales started uh, heading by uh, just off the coast local ran over was so excited you know shouting you know kind of did you see them did you see them i've only seen them you know twice and i've lived here for 10 years or something like that so we we felt ourselves pretty lucky uh, that we'd found them then 
they the orca hadn't been seen in the waters off Vancouver Island for four years, and that that was the first time they'd been seen in in the area for a, a long time. So yeah, the local lady was rightly very excited about it. Yeah, it sounds like you were really lucky to see them. Amazing. Very saving of about four hundred dollars. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> yes, that's always a bonus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so then you got the bus down to Seattle. Yeah, so again, it's the second time I've been to America. My first time uh, or third time I've been to America, um, but I'd always flown in before and found that flying through their checkpoints uh, and going through their airports to be a relatively stressful and complicated procedure that usually has a lot of questions and you spend a lot of time waiting in a long queue. Um, I hoped that crossing by land would, would have been different, especially from Canada by bus. Um Apparently not. So we spent a long time crossing that border um, with a rather irate bus driver. Uh, so it wasn't the, the best welcome to uh, to the US. But fortunately, we didn't have far to go. So we, we stopped straight in uh, Seattle. So we we're only just over the border. And that was our first stay for about, again, for about five days. Okay. And what was Seattle like? Seattle is a, is a lovely, lovely city. It has... It has everything. It has a nice modern city. It has a little bit of history. Um, it's quite uh, hipster and perhaps a little bit more forward thinking and a bit more modern in its thinking compared to other areas of the US. It's quite artsy. Uh, they, they have some very random tourist attractions, like a concrete troll underneath a bridge. <laughs> yeah, we visited. Uh, I mean, you had to do the, the usual stuff like the, the Space Needle. I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but uh, Chuhili Glass, he has a or has, has a permanent exhibition at Kew Gardens as well. Oh, yes. Yep. So we visited that. Uh, there was also a, a pretty significant film and TV museum there, which was a, also a pretty good experience as well. The Museum of Modern Popular Culture? Yes. Pop, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was a really good start to the US. Uh, and a fairly consistent theme as we were heading down the coast is the cities on the, the west coast of the, the US are relatively liberal, have quite large and nice artsy areas and quite a lot of kind of cultural things to go and visit. Uh, we did also visit the uh, the Gates Foundation Museum, which is one of their, their buildings that's kind of outward facing. It, it's free to, to visit, but it gives you an idea of the kind of stuff that they're doing uh, and the activities that are involved in around the world. And it was actually a real like, interesting eye-opener. It's not far from the Space Needle, maybe about 10 minutes walk, um, and I'd thoroughly recommend it. It doesn't cost you a thing, and it's quite uh, it gets you, gets you thinking about the kind of things that are going on in the world uh, and how you might contribute. We, we went down to the waterfront as well, and we didn't go in, but we saw the Starbucks, and we went to the, the fish market, um, just a wrap, I can't remember the name of it. Um, it's just a wrap run of all sorts of different market stalls and there's like different sections of fish that's caught from just on the water and um, flowers. And then there's a secondhand market and an artisan market. And probably the grossest tourist attraction I've ever seen was this gum gum wall alley outside one of the theatres and it is just it's chewing gum the whole way floor to ceiling and it's it's interesting but it's disgusting it certainly has a very unique smell um we've been reliably told that they they clean all the gum off uh once a year every year someone (laughs) someone's job is to clean all the gum off the walls um by and then give it a couple of months because it's the thing to do there um (laughs) all the tourists come down and put their gum on the wall it is it's all the way down the alley again the floor sticky the walls are sticky and it just on a hot day it's it's something else but um you'll probably smell it before you see it (laughs) (laughs) maybe one to miss then (laughs) if if you've got a sensitive uh disposition you might want to yeah go around it's interesting but i wouldn't wouldn't recommend touching it (laughs) oh no don't take kids there (laughs) no exactly (laughs) it's not like give a penny take a penny you you just leave gun there's there's none to be taken (laughs) i'm pleased to hear that (laughs) so where did you go after seattle uh, so we headed south from there, and then that was to Portland, where we stayed with a friend of mine that I'd uh, worked with on a previous trip over to the US. A really 
left-leaning kind of hipster home. It, it's really at the forefront of especially what's going on in the US at the moment. Uh, a lot of that is is active in uh, in Portland. And yeah, we, we kind of hung out there. It was a bit more, it was a lot less touristy for us because we got to hang out at someone's house with friends. And although we're no, not unaccustomed to Airbnb, it, it's not the same as staying with someone that you know. So yeah, it was slightly less touristy for us. We did still manage to get in the world's smallest city park which is about, oh, I don't know, maybe 12 size, inches around. It's the size of a dinner plate and has <laughs> one solitary tree. Um, so, yeah, but that's uh, one of their claims to fame. We have the, the largest secondhand bookstore in the world. It's an entire city block. Definitely worth a visit if you are in the vicinity. It's You could spend a whole day there. We were only carrying three bags, so two carry-on uh, and one to go in the hold. But we couldn't pass the opportunity up to go to such a fantastic secondhand bookstore. We're both into our books and we came out of there with our arms full and far heavier bags than we'd arrived in Portland. So you needed like a wheelbarrow to to take you around to the rest of your trip <laughs> to carry you around. Yeah, absolutely that. Yeah. There was definitely a, a one in one out rule from then on. Great. And then where did you go? from portland so south again uh heading down the coast and the next stop was san francisco yes san francisco um so we took the overnight train that was our first overnight train it's fairly picturesque but as you can imagine it gets dark on the trip so even though they have glass carriages eventually that that view dissipates we were doing this very much on a budget, so we were not in first class, we were not in second class, we were in whatever class we could get on. Um, so there were no beds uh, on that train, it was just a slightly reclining seat, uh, and then kind of woke up the next morning just coming into San Francisco. Again, we couldn't stay in the city because even with Airbnb, it was far too expensive. So we stayed over the water in Oakland and commuted in and out of the city uh, for the week or so we were there. Okay. And what did you do when you were there? Uh, Obviously, the Golden Gate Bridge. We did a movie set tours, and we did a tour of various movie sets, Mrs. Doubtfire's house, the Golden Gate Bridge from the Hitchcock film, and we also went to Lucasfilm's HQ. Which for us was a fairly significant uh, trip. And there's a bit of a Star Wars-y theme as we head down through the USA. Um, we, we Any opportunity, uh, we we visited the Star Wars iconic locations yeah. we, uh, and got those experiences. We got married on May the 4th. So Star Wars was yeah a theme that we ran with. And so you mentioned that you went by train. Did you go by bus or by train from Seattle to Portland? Uh, we took buses almost completely from the moment we landed in Calgary to the moment we left the US. Um, that was the only train we took because it was the cheaper alternative for overnight and saved us a significant period of time. But nine times out of 10, we were on the bus. And I, and I got to say, of all the buses we took, some of the worst were in Canada and the US. In terms of reliability uh, and comfort, they were some of the worst buses that we visited. Um, I suppose that's what happens when everybody already owns a car. Uh, so the buses aren't quite so high priority. But um, yeah, I don't think we ever got on a bus, even if it left on time, which is pretty rare, it never arrived on time. So if you're going to put buses in your in your planning... We never, ever planned anything for the day we arrived if we were going in on bus because we would never would have made those timings. Never, never book an onward journey for the same day that you arrive in a new place because it just allow yourself one day everywhere you go, just in case. I think the worst delay we had was in Canada when there was a... Um, it was a huge accident not not long after we'd left Salmon Arm and we were late arriving into Vancouver by about two and a half, three hours. And we were delayed going over the border as well because that took about three to four hours um, when it should have taken less than an hour. Everywhere, yeah. Just assume that your bus will be late and you'll be fine. Don't leave it tight because it'll never arrive on time. I mean, obviously, you're going to talk about the rest of your trip and your experiences, but you, you say that they, that Canada and America were the worst bus trips, but you'd think that they would be the best considering all the different countries you went to. 
You would absolutely think so. Uh, and I know there's definitely some worst. I've heard some horror stories from, from India, for example, where uh, if you go... Uh, for an upgrade, that's a, ben- a bus with suspension. Um, so we never had never had to go that low. But um, yeah, most of our bus journeys, certainly when we arrived in South America, were far more pleasant uh, than the ones we had in Canada and America. And what was it like visiting the Lucas headquarters? Bit of a whistle-stop tour. Enough time for a picture with the Yoda statue outside and a wander into the reception because it's technically not open to the public. Um, but you can go into like the re- the main reception area, but you can't hang around for too long. You sort of can walk in, do a lap, and then walk back out again. Because technically, it is an office building, yeah. so um, you can't nip around people's uh, workplace and and have a look what they're doing. So um, yeah, uh, a, a, a quick stop, uh, but an interesting one nevertheless. Mm-hmm. A bit of a pilgrimage if you're a. Uh... Star Wars yes, fan. definitely. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> and so you left San Francisco and then where did you go? So next stop was LA, a really interesting city, definitely uh, a city with two very distinct sides, um, often very close to each other. So we we stayed in, as these things off, often are, um, what used to be the warehouse district, then had become a bit of an artsy district, had a relatively cheap hostel that we stayed in that was a kind of an old converted building. There wasn't much there, but it was cheap. So, And it was not too far of a walk from the bus station, which is why we picked it. We didn't realise, and I didn't realise until I took my laundry there, that we were about three blocks from Skid Row and about eight blocks probably from the centre of the financial district. So that's how close it was from, you know, some of the richest parts of the city to the by far the poorest part of the city. Um, and I think that was m- a loss of our experience in LA. Um, it was, we, we'd seen that a fair bit in the other cities we'd been to in the US, that, that clear, stark delineation between the very, very poor and the very, very rich. And often they live quite close together, but never was it more apparent than it was in LA, where, you know, you've got the home of the Hollywood Walk of Fame, you know, the the Star Walk and all that kind of everything you think about when you think about the US, so many films there, video games set there, um, TVs, series set there, but it's, it really does have a very significant poverty problem. And it's very evident if you're walking through the streets that there are haves and have nots in LA. Yeah, it's quite shocking, actually, that I've been to LA and it's quite, I found it quite shocking, the, the stark contrast between the two, because I'd never heard of that before I'd been. You just kind of hear about the bright lights, don't you, in Hollywood? <laughs> yeah, as, a, as an outsider, LA is this glamorous home of the movie stars. And then you get there and actually, you know, it's, it's not like that at all. So how long did you spend in LA? So we were probably there for a, about a week again, and that was that's pretty much usual for us. I mean, if we were doing a European city, you could probably do that in two or three days. The US cities are far bigger in comparison, so five days was probably what was required. We also threw in a trip to Disney World whilst we were there, uh, Disneyland. Yeah, Disney Anaheim, yeah. Um, so that took up a, a very long and worthwhile day of our trip. Um, and because it's quite spread out, a day down at the, the beach was a day trip out and back, uh, a trip up to uh, Hollywood and up to the uh, observatory up there was a day unto itself. So because things are very spread out, uh, give yourself plenty of time to get to, from A to B, especially on the public you, transport. I was going to say, did you have a car? So you used public transport? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'd only rented a car by this point. We'd only rented a car in Canada and we'd managed to get by on public transport. Uh, the US isn't the best. Um, and if you've done smaller European cities, it, it's not quite as good as, as the kind of stuff you're used to in terms of inner city transport. But it's not bad. And being Star Wars fans, you obviously you went to Galaxy's Edge. Is that right? We did. Within Disneyland, I should say, for those that aren't, don't know what I'm talking about. And how, how was that? It was awesome. And neither of us has ever been to like a Disney theme park before. And I think it kind of absolutely surpassed all our expectations. We were there from about eight o'clock in the morning until about ten o'clock at night. Yeah. It was it was amazing. I was 
I don't know if I'd start off sceptical because we'd we'd hit the nature of the the way we were going around the world meant that we basically had 10 months of summer. So when we arrived at, at Disneyland, we were in the peak of the summer holidays. Of course, the prices were at the maximum. And I was a little bit frustrated because we usually try and avoid, you know, uh, school holidays to try and get good prices. So I thought, well, this is going to have to be really good if it's going to be worth this kind of ticket price. And I've got to say, it actually was, you know, even for... It's two of us, a kind of young couple. We don't have kids. Uh, we absolutely reverted to kids when we arrived there. Uh, and it was as much fun for us. <laughs> and I think it is as much fun for the parents as it is for, for the kids that they take. Um, and the Star Wars bit is so well done. Uh, and there is so much to see just in that bit alone that um, definitely worth a visit. It's Im- almost impossible to take it all in in one day. But we we really gave it a good go. I think <laughs> we looped back into Galaxy's Edge more times than I can count on my two hands and you know we're frantically like looking at vlogs and stuff and finding the all the secret bits and pieces and like going around and doing several loops and looking at all the merchandise and carefully considering what we're gonna buy and um yeah it was it really is uh what it says on the tin but I would certainly recommend if you're gonna go if you're going to take public transport, you're going to have to leave early. It's not in the city centre. Uh, it's quite far out of the city. So we had to take, uh, I think it was two trains and a bus or certainly a train and a bus to get out there. Um, so we had to set off early in the morning. Make sure you don't get caught out if you're coming back by public transport because there is a last bus. Um, and if you're not on that, then, um, well, you've got a long walk to get back into the city centre. And plan your day out, uh, especially if you're going to Galaxy's Edge, because there are certain things that happen at certain times of the day and certain things you can pick up there, but it takes a little bit of planning. So, for example, the currency on planets, which is what they call being in Galaxy's Edge, is, is a local currency. And if you exchange a certain amount of US dollars into the local currency, they'll give you a metal credit chip. It's basically you can then use that like a credit card. But once you've finished with it, you get to take that home. So if you're going to spend £30 or whatever the minimum spend was on merchandise, convert it to local credits, get yourself uh, one of these exclusive coin chips, uh, use that when you're on world, when you're buying anything in the Galaxy's Edge uh, area. Uh, and then that's another thing you can take home with you. Uh, so, yeah, check the blogs, check what people are saying about it, because there's lots that you can miss if you're just rushing from A to B. Just take a little bit of time to plan it before you go and you'll make the most of spending a day there. Mm, yeah, I mean, at any of the Disney parks, you have really got to plan it to to get the most out of it. And usually, especially us Brits, when we're going there, we only have a certain amount of time and we often don't go there every year. I mean, some people do, the, um, the lucky ones, <laughs> if you like. But, uh, you know, most people go there kind of, uh, you know, maybe once in a lifetime even. So the planning is so important. And, and actually, I'm just going to put in a little plug for episodes two, well, one, two and three of my podcast because they are all about Disney World planning. And the episode three especially talks all about a Star Wars holiday that a couple did. So if you're interested in Star Wars, then you should definitely check that out. And I will put a link in the show notes if you are interested. But back to you guys and your trip. So you, after you did the Disneyland thing, did you then go to Vegas? We did, yeah. That was our next stop. So out through the desert uh, and then into Vegas. Whilst we were there, it was in the kind of early mid 50 degrees um it was incredibly hot so uh, during the day we we didn't do an awful lot uh, and the streets were fairly empty even for vegas but then of course everything's open at night so everyone was out even when it was you know still 20 30 degrees kind of even at night because you're out in the desert and people were kind of out doing the vegas thing uh, of an evening the whole time we were there and you can walk into any of the casinos as well can't you so it doesn't matter where you're staying ultimately we stayed in what's kind of called the Old Street. It's, uh, uh, if I remember rightly, uh, kind of in the northeast, not on the main strip. And we stayed in a, a small hotel motel um, kind of outside of the way. Um, but they run a regular bus shuttle service, which takes you back into town if you want to go to the strip. It's a little bit quieter. It's got just as much casinos. So if, you, if you're there for gambling, there'll be plenty for you. It's just not quite as expensive uh, or quite as brash uh, as the main strip as you'd expect. 
Yes, definitely. And I have to ask, did you win any money? We did. We placed a, a five, well, put $5 into a, into a machine and got nearly $20 back. Yeah, neither of us are, are like, you know, a, a poker whizzes or anything like that. We weren't going to go to a table. But whilst we were handing our rental car back in after visiting Hoover Dam and, and going out uh, into the desert, I put a fiver in a machine and, and we came out on top. So I think we won We won Vegas. Yeah. Um, I think that's how that works. We, we left with a bit more money than we arrived with in the casino. So I think that counts to win. Yeah, can't say fairer than that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we played it very safe. <laughs> <laughs> and so you mentioned you went out to Nevada, did you say? Uh, so we never got as we were hoping to do the Grand Canyon. We didn't manage to get quite that far out, but we did go and see Hoover Dam on a day trip. I'd I'd recommend it. It's not a f- it's not far to drive. If you're going to go, go early um, before it gets really hot and the buses turn up, and don't pay for parking either. Uh, so as you drive into Hoover Dam, uh, as you've come out of Vegas, there'll be a big multi-story car park on your left hand side. Don't stop in that one. Keep going. Go over the dam. And on the other side, there's loads of free parking. You'll only have to pay for parking if your car's undercover. So get there early. Beat the buses. Don't pay for parking. Have a look around. I would recommend doing a little bit of research on Wikipedia before you get there. Because if you want to go into the dam or into the museum, it will cost you a small fortune. So we just had a look at it. I can't even... I can't even remember the price. It was eye-wateringly expensive for a museum. And then we uh, kind of headed back. So it was just a quick day trip. Sure. Brilliant. Still worth it, though, because it's pretty spectacular. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's a real feat of engineering. So, yeah, I I thoroughly recommend going. It's not far. It's a nice break from being in the the wilds of the city. It's just a lot quieter. Uh, Same with going out to the desert. There's some nice walks out in the desert and circular drives. Thoroughly recommend it. It's just something a bit different rather than just going to see the the casinos or catch the shows, which we were lucky to do this time. And we managed to watch uh, a Cirque du Soleil for a very reasonable price. And that was, yeah, def- definitely worth it. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. It's the first time we've ever really seen anything like that. You have to go to Vegas and do a show. Yes. Yeah, and Cirque du Soleil never disappoints, whichever you see. Cool. So that was the last of your US part. Yeah, that that was that was it. And then we took a a very long flight down to South America. And where did you stop first? Uh, so well, the flight itself flew via Atlanta um, because you couldn't get a direct flight down. Anyone who's tried to get flights into South America will know it's really expensive, disproportionately expensive for the distance that you travel. Um, And when you're in South America itself, if you're crossing borders, try not to fly because it's incredibly expensive. So it was just about trying to find the cheapest flight south. That meant a long layover in Atlanta, which started off us sleeping on the floor. Luckily for us, uh, and I hadn't known this before I arrived, but it just turned out well. They have um, what's called a UXO um so it's um it's basically a nice little first class lounge that's designed for uh military service personnel it just so happens that i am um so when that opened up at seven in the morning we went in there and slept on the lazy boys and ate their free donuts um but otherwise we would have spent the whole time sleeping in the corridor um waiting for our uh, our change flight Uh, and that went from atlanta and flew into the capital of ecuador which is quito so we jumped over Colombia, although a lot of people we met started there, um, we we followed the FCO's advice and, and let that one lie. We also on a bit of a schedule because we had another place to to stop to work uh, and flew yeah straight into into capital Quito on the coast. And always mention if you're in the Amer- if you're in the states that you are military. Um, if you're a NATO ally, you'll we didn't pay for any hold luggage. There, there was a lot of kind of free stuff and price reductions you can get along the way. US is very pro-military, so take your card with you. You'll save a lot. We got lots of money off our cheap meals at Denny's when we were in Vegas because <laughs> um, they just flashed the military ID and they like your $20 two-course meal then becomes like $11 and a free coffee or like a free dessert or, oh, no, we don't do... 
discount for military, but here have a bag of donuts or have <laughs> cookies or something. So, you know, always, always worth a little hustle to see what you can get. And I would say the same with student discounts. Um, we didn't go anywhere uh, and not point out that we were students if we thought there might be a student discount either. So again, if you're a student here, even if you don't have an international students card, an NUS card, take university cards, nobody knows any different and, and always ask for student discount because you never know. Great. And so let's go back to Quito. You landed in Quito and then what? We landed in Quito. Uh, Ecuador was our next long stop for some more volunteer work. So we had seven days I think it was in the city before we were due to go out into the wild for our volunteer work so we squeezed in a day and a half exploring the city um going around old town and up to various viewpoints um and then we kind of very spur of a moment booked four nights five day trip out into the amazon um jungle which I've got to say was probably for me definitely in the top three in terms of highlights of the trip. Yeah. Um, whether you visit the Amazon in in Ecuador, Bolivia, Brazil, if you get the opportunity, absolutely go and do it. It it, it was exactly what I expected. It's been on my bucket list for ages, and and we had a really good time. It was what the things that were on offer were a Galapagos trip or into the Amazon. And there was probably probably about $900 price difference between the two. So naturally, we went for the Amazon experience. Um, and it was, yeah, like Josh says, probably one of the top one of the top things that we did. Yeah, I don't think we've we did anything like it on the rest of the trip. So did you, as you were trekking, did you go out for a day, come back? And how did it work? Did you stay overnight or? So it was four nights out on a reserve um, right in the middle of it. So we left the hostel in Quito um, at 11 o'clock at night. It was an eight-hour bus ride. Um, and then we got dropped off at another hostel further inland. We then had another hour-long bus ride and then a two-hour boat ride. And then we were at the reserve. And we stayed in a, in a, bamboo, in a bamboo lodge and went out every day, like out on trail walks, um, swimming in the river at sunset every day, night walks. Wow. Just, yeah, out wandering and seeing all the wildlife at night and in the daytime, feeding monkeys bananas from the kitchen. The Amazon is, much like uh, the Galapagos, is something, although you might physically be able to do it all yourself um is definitely not recommended uh so uh, we did it through a, a company that just happened to be on the ground floor of the hostel we were staying in it was definitely the budget option uh but actually when you get out there most of the accommodation is all on the same bit of the river it's all very similar uh, and the service we received was was second to none so the food was excellent the guides were were, were brilliant you know better english than than ours was knew the 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 amazon like the back of their hands you know knew the the waterways like you know your local village uh or town and every time we went out we saw something different something new and we checked off so many animals on that list that um we really felt like you know every day had been worth it we we didn't feel like that we were one, you know there one day too long because Every time we went out, it was something new, you know, uh, whether it was the pink dolphins in the river, the monkeys and sloths, the extensive bird life or the insects. So, you know, tarantulas, scorpions uh, and all the snakes like the boa constrictors and tree snakes that we saw every time we went out or the caiman, for example, out on the the night uh, expeditions. It was really spectacular. Um, and it's uh, where some trips where you're you're going to see animals uh they can pretty well caveat animals not guaranteed the amazon is not one of those you know you are a fairly fairly good chance of animals guaranteed um and and it really was worth the trip you know it was it was jam-packed whilst we were there and it took us a day to get there and a day to get back by some relatively uncomfortable means but absolutely worth it whilst we were there hot and humid but spectacular and did you feel at any point like in danger from the wildlife not at all 
the most dangerous thing out there is the biting insects uh, and they're more of a nuisance than anything else so <laughs> if you're going and this is i think that's a fair rule for anywhere that's in the tropics and i think most people would fairly uh, be fairly understanding is good mosquito spray high deep count long sleeve tops long trousers and some sturdy boots there were a few people who were visiting who weren't dressed quite so appropriately and they didn't have quite such a good time so i'd say yeah dress dress right and and the rest all that is easy and i guess because you knew that that was on your list you had all that kind of stuff with you anyway so it was fine well we never knew but we had to pack (laughs) for everything you know absolutely every eventuality um and and as we we go along the trip you'll realize that you know we had everything from glacial snow uh, all the way up to you know the the heat of the the nevada desert so we had to pack for pretty much everything <laughs> and so you also did your volunteering how's that it was an experience so after our first experience of work away in canada being so positive we were a little bit apprehensive as to how the second one was going to go because there's no way that you have two good ones in as your first two it was totally different so whereas in canada we were just in someone's home ecuador it was a business so it was perhaps a little bit more um exploitive it was much more physical and demanding work um more structured but it was very rigid so to set the scene we had headed not far south out of quito to a place called cotopaxi Um, It's a regular day trip for people who stay in Quito. There's a a national park there. It's a really spectacular place. Uh, It's also home to the world's highest active volcano, which has a glacier on all year round, and it's fairly accessible. So it's a pretty popular resort. The hostel we stayed at there and worked at is a pretty nice one. It's fairly expensive. It's got some exclusive kind of uh, accommodation options like hobbit holes. And as a as a visitor, I couldn't recommend it enough. It, you will get A-class standard uh, of accommodation uh, and care whilst you're there. You're going to have a good t- time. As a volunteer, it's uh, it's a bit more like hard work uh, and not quite what we had originally signed up for in terms of what they were advertising uh, and what we got. There was something of a disparity, but... Um, couldn't have asked for a nicer place uh and it did give it certainly gave us an opportunity to get some of our fitness back after the the long trip in uh, north america where calories were not hard to come by uh, and it was far too hot to go running outside and we it allowed us to to be in a location that we otherwise wouldn't have considered staying in because it was expensive so it was it was an experience and we did get to do Nearly well, all of the activities at the hostel offered um, for free as part of volunteering there. But for me, it was too much like hard work. I'd I'd given up work for the year, and I didn't really fancy working for nothing. The the highlight the highlight of that was for me the the last week we were there. So we planned to stay four weeks. We we did three weeks, and we definitely done our expected hours by the time we got to three weeks. At the end of that, I did. Uh, the hike up to the top of the volcano, which is a kind of a, a late. You go up to the um, the mountain accommodation the night before, and then you start about two in the morning, one in the morning, uh, and start hiking your way up the glacier with uh, ice ice axe and crampons. And then you arrive on the summit just as the sun's rising, and then head back down again. Again, a real highlight of the trip. Nothing else that that compared to that. It's the first time I'd done any work with crampons or any hiking on a glacier i wouldn't have been able to do that if we hadn't been there for a few weeks because the altitude we were staying at was so high in the hostel alone some of the the guests there were suffering altitude symptoms and not every guest that arrived that tried for the peak got there um so quite a few of them succumbed to altitude sickness before they managed to get high enough up the mountain uh, and had to turn around so that was a real uh, highlight for me and some spectacular views. Uh, so I was, I was glad we got to do it. We, we spent three weeks looking at the base of it, uh, work, you know, living at the base of it and taking people out on hikes in the local area. So it was good to finally get to the top of that one. Uh, definitely definitely would say if, if you're into mountaineering or you want a mountaineering challenge, but you want one that's 
approachable so it's not like a, an everest where you're going to do five days in five days out kind of thing you know you can do it over two days i'd thoroughly recommend it don't need any prerequisite technical skills they'll give you all the kit you need and it's a really good opportunity to do a mountain uh, to do a volcano in this case where you might not otherwise be able to do it sure and what kind of work were they asking you to do in the hostel was it kind of general hostel like cleaning things like that it wasn't cleaning, so they they employed local people to do that. What we were doing was leading two of the hikes that the hostel offered, two free ones, and preparing or preparing snacks, serving meals, and basically just like adding to the guest experience. So like chatting to them about what their plans were while they were there, sort of trying to persuade them to maybe participate in a paid activity maybe you know encouraging them to do another activity and stay for a couple of days more perhaps but yeah it was guest guest experience people i guess upselling stuff i think is probably the right word so it was long days first thing in the morning would start out you know preparing breakfast making the packed lunches we were up at 06 every morning by the time lunch was done you'd either be straight out to take your first hike of the day or you'd be packing down breakfast And then kind of you'd have maybe a a couple of hours lull before you'd be back on lunch again. So, yeah, uh, mealtimes are the busiest times. But if you're out hiking, for me, I I love the hiking. Uh, I thought that was fantastic. It's a bit I really enjoyed, but it was physically demanding and it was at high altitude. So it started at a little over 3000 meters and and went to over 4000 meters at the highest point. So, yeah, again, not for everybody gave us an opportunity to go somewhere we might otherwise not have been able to go. So once you'd done the hike up the the glacier, what should you do after that? So then we headed south uh, down to... Banyos. Banyos. And that's where the trouble started. (laughs) Josh and Annie's trip report is so detailed and full of tips and ideas. I'm sorry I had to stop there, but you'll find out the rest of their trip in the next episode. I hope you have found loads of value from this episode. If you have, don't forget to share it with a friend. On the next episode, I continue with Josh and Annie's trip report. We get into the real scary situations they encountered in South America and the amazing trip to Machu Picchu. This episode is going to be a great one, so be sure to tune in. So until next time, travel well and travel safe.